Now I'm going to mention two more games, just two more games before I uh, wrap this up and maybe, well not remember it up, maybe give you some tips on the expo itself, otherwise this video is going to go on forever. I might even have to do this in two parts, we'll see. But the idea, well, I want to, I don't want to like go over every single game I play, I'll be here all night, I've got other stuff to do. So I'm going to mention two that really caught my eye. Um, I'll give a shout out to certain others that I'm not going to mention specifically. But uh, there was a Grimlord Games did a very interesting nautical story based game, uh, the Ever Rain. That one was in a sort of half prototype stage, but that basically felt like kind of what I wanted Nemo's War to be, the solo game. This one basically has you controlling a part as like sort of pirate ships. It's a cooperative. You're progressing through this campaign, searching islands, you're picking up crew, fighting other ships, undead monsters, that sort of thing. And you. You progress through the story and you're trying to develop the story quicker than the enemy does it. And that was kind of all we got. We just played a few turns. We didn't have like a full game of it, but it looked nice. It can be played solo, I've heard, as well as up to four players. It's going to look fabulous with the minis that were in the cabinet involved in it. But if this one starts coming out, I can't remember. Was it on the late pledge or the Kickstarter had already finished? But uh, I'm interested to see what this one comes out of. But that's not the main one I want to talk about. Uh... The last two I want to talk about, firstly, Letter Jam. Letter Jam by Czech Game Editions. Paul Groger showed us this one. This one is a, a um, kind of a cooperative word game. And this one basically has you in a group and you're trying to figure out the letters that spell your word. In kind of Hanabi style, the letters are either face down or facing away from you. So you can't see your own, but you can see everybody else's. And the idea is, is that you as a group must be able to not only guess all the letters you've got in front of you, but also spell out the word that your partner, who chose it beforehand, has picked for you. And you can set the difficulty based on the number of letters in your word, and you have rules for like, oh, you know, who can give clues out, and, and the, the way it is is that each round you look at everybody else's letter, including a dummy letter, a dummy player if there is one, or a, you know, a wild in the middle. And you sort of negotiate with the other players as to, I can spell a five-letter word that uses several human players and the dummy. And the idea is, is that you're trying to come up with words that use as many human players as possible. Because in that way, when you put these tokens out to say what order the letters are in, the players can work out what letter might be theirs. You know, it's like, hmm, you spell out B-R something I-N, and I'm the something in the middle. Well, that's probably brain then. So there's a good chance my letter is an A. Okay, we can move on. It's stuff like that. It's harder than it sounds. Believe me, to come up with some some words with these, uh, you know, I mean, if you've got brain to spell, then you've got lucky with your letters, trust me. You know, but it was, it was an interesting game and good fun. It was in prototype form, you know, so it was pretty much just a bunch of white cards with letters on them, but... Paul did a great job as always teaching it and keeping it fun and keeping it interesting. But yeah, this is a co-op word party game that I could get into. It can drag a little bit longer than I would like, but then we were learning the game and we were getting taught, you know, in a fun story way. And I'm positive that if you played it a second time, you would get it done a lot quicker. But yeah, all in all, it was pretty solid. I mean, there's not much else to talk about on it. You've got some rules for bonus letters and what happens when you finish first. And, you know, like you're trying to basically, you've got a time limit. So like Hanabi, you've only got so many clues you can use. And this, you've only got so many clues. And at the end, you've even got some alternative ways to win. So you don't even have to spell out the word 
that you created, that someone created for you at the start, you just have to spell out a word using as many letters as you started with. So you'll get some bonus letters that you acquire during the game, depending on how well you do, and it might get a player out of shtuck if they can't remember, oh great, I don't know what word this is supposed to spell, I've got something wrong, but hang on, I can do this, 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 and this, and spell Brian, you know, and it still works. So all in all, pretty solid. Check game editions, you know, they seem to be doing better at these little party games than they are other stuff in my opinion, but, you know, all in all, pretty solid and I look forward to seeing more on that when it comes out. Hopefully I'll get a copy and review it and it should be an easy one to get to the table. I can see this working with families, gamers and all sorts really. It's uh, kind of all-encompassing. Uh, let's see, uh, two, two more. I'm going to say two more. Firstly, Hub Games. Hub Games did, uh, I think it was called like Mega City Oceana or something like that. I think that's the name. This is a dexterity city building game. Okay, what? <laughs> you know, this is kind of something you don't see every day. And believe me, it's unique. You want innovative? This is innovative. This is what I want to see in games, more innovation. This one has you building a city as a group, but you're competing to build like the tallest buildings, you know, uh, users complete contracts and various objectives to score the most points. So you want to be the best architect. But it's weird. You have these bases that you acquire and you can collect all these weird shaped pieces, you know, and it's a stacking game. You can draw them out of a bag. You can get different color contracts, different color tiles. There's majority bonuses at the end, diversity bonuses as well. But the idea is, is that per the contract, it will tell you like how many pieces it needs, whether it cannot have glass or cannot have concrete, whether it needs archways, whether it needs roofs, that kind of thing. And you do your best when the bag is not on your turn. When it's someone else's turn, you start building. You start going, hmm, I can build this like this. Build, build, oh, it's a bit rickety, uh, uh. And then when the bag comes around to you, you have two actions that you must do, but you're not allowed to build. So the downtime is almost, unless you paint yourself into a corner, which I did a couple of times, almost non-existent. You're either building or you're doing your two actions. Unless you paint yourself in a corner, you will not have any downtime. Fantastic. Kudos to the designer for that. That was well done. Yeah, and because normally you could be waiting for someone else to do something and you could be watching them, but now you get to work on everything that you're doing yourself. And the idea is, is when you've got this building ready, you then have to stop everybody while you push it into the center of the table and slot it into place on this floating city, effectively. That's what the story arc is. And then as the game progresses, you have this city built up of this smorgasbord of weird shaped pieces all over the place. People competing, trying to build the tallest one. Some are more rickety, like, oh, don't touch it, whatever. You've got monuments that you place down, like in park tiles, you know, to get more points, depending on who surrounds it. It's simple, you know, that it's a little fiddly to build some of these buildings. I mean, believe me, you need to have your stacking A game here in order to create some half decent stuff. I was a bit ambitious with some of my height ones, but I managed to win the game in the end. Just, uh, who was I trying to go from? Uh, the board game book I was playing against, and oh, I'm used to some names. Uh, John from, um, was it John or actual? No, actual lol. I was playing with him, and uh, you know, so, and it was three of us. I'm oh, saying my memory is hazy because of work, but the game is enjoyable. It's if you like dexterity games, but you want an interesting theme, kids can get into this one as well. And you don't want the downtime aspect. This is an interesting little game. You know, you've got to be slightly strategic, a little bit tactical at times, in order to pick the best pieces or the best uh, tiles and contracts in order to score points. But at the end of the day, if you like stacking games, this is a good one. This will test your skills to the limit. I feel so innovative and different. This is something I'm getting a lot from Hub Games, which is 
even though I don't go mad for their catalogue, you know, I mean, I like The Troubled Life of Billy Kerr. I wasn't blown away by it, but I liked it. I like this one. I'm not blown away by it, but I really do like it and respect it. They're always innovative. Troubled Life of Billy Kerr felt very different, and this one feels very different as well. They're really coming out with some interesting ideas. So if that sounds like your cup of tea, give this one a look. Certainly, you'll have people taking photos of every city that you build, and certainly, we have to fend a few of those off as well. Okay, and finally, from a games front, we'll talk about my favorite game I played the whole convention. So excluding the Arkham Horror stuff, this was my favorite demo game I played. It was the last game I played in the convention. I was basically myself against three other people because I was doing a head-to-head -head against Ignacy Trevacek whilst one of his, uh, one or two of his uh, fellow staff and Z Garcia sitting next to me were all rooting for him. Thanks, guys. You know, way to throw me under the bus right there. But, yeah, we were playing Empires of the North. This is their sequel game to Imperial Settlers. Not the wrong right version. This is a full-fledged uh, card game with similar mechanics to how Imperial Settlers work, but with some tweaks here and there. You can now go sailing for bonuses elsewhere. You don't, um, like, produce every round. You have to use a little kind of circular action board in order to do it. And depending on where you put your two tokens will restrict what actions you can do in a round unless you spend uh, apples to do so. But otherwise, you're collecting resources like sheep, wood, stone, gold, etc. You're playing different buildings, a lot of buildings, you know. It's very much like that Imperial Settlers artwork and style of play and even the style of cards. There are special boost cards you can play where when you do a specific action like Explore, you can play a card and get some extra benefit. It's very smooth, very streamlined. It was easy for him to teach me. And, you know, Ignacy, you know, can sometimes like struggle with English, uh, like, English speakers at times, you know, depending on how well, but I, I got everything he said, I understood it perfectly, we played a two-player game, and I gotta admit, wow, I give AP players a hard time, because I'm not a huge fan of the slow player, but Ignacy and I were just boom, 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 boom. we were just speed playing, and it's not like we were making catastrophic mistakes or anything we were still doing well and it was neck and neck for a point until i eventually managed to get ahead and win the game outright but wow we were just going back and forth at high speed ignacy's the sort of player i want to play euro games with you know speedy and still a challenge you know none of this whole um, um how could i take that one do i want a million pounds or do i want to lose the game i don't know is it ah god yeah, drives me nuts you know he doesn't min max he doesn't do anything like that he's, he's a joy to play with frankly but you know, we, the game itself was highly entertaining. I mean, I already like Imperial Settlers. I mean, where is it? Is there down there? I haven't played it in a while, but it's, um, I need to sort out what I'm doing, all the factions in it. But this one feels like a breath of fresh air. You don't deck build in this. You have six, I think four to six uh, factions, and there are more on the way. You can easily just add more in. But all of these will have their own deck. They won't ever have extra cards. So... You know, you'll start off with a, uh, you'll choose a faction, it will play differently from the others. I mean, our two that we had played very differently. And you have that deck of cards. That's it. Just that deck. And in the future, expansions will just be more factions with their own deck. So you don't have to think, oh, I'm boosting up this deck so high, now I can only choose 30 out of the 60 cards and all that, I haven't got time. You know, this time, you just choose a faction, there you go, go. Nice and quick. Rules are straightforward, it's added a little bit of extra meat perhaps to the Imperial Settlers formula, but it's taken out a couple of bits as well, so it doesn't feel like it's uh, convoluted or fiddly in any way. Actions can be really quick, 
Although I do feel that maybe this will have a similar problem to Imperial Settlers where playing it with four players I'd be less inclined to do. I don't know, it depends who you're playing with, but two or three players, two especially, and I'm sure this will hopefully have a solo mode, and I forgot to ask him if it did, but hopefully this has a solo mode as well. Wow, this was a good game. Looks great, colourful artwork, it looks like the Imperial Settlers formula, so everything's nice bright greens and blues and reds and oranges and all sorts. It's a cool little puzzle, it's a good engine builder where you're sort of going... Right, I can uh, use that building, put that worker there, spend that resource, do that building, get points, get that, get another resource, go sailing, get that pillage, that one, uh, conquer that land, and you know, it it it's like not that, like the most fanatic game ever in a sense. It plays like Imperial Settlers does from that perspective, but it just felt smooth, satisfying. I want to try. I want to play the game again with the same faction to try and like do it a different way. But I want to play the game with all the other factions. I want to know what they do. You know, the one that Ignasti had was very good at sailing, so it constantly got bonuses for sailing. They went out and did a lot of pillaging and conquering, whereas mine got drunk a lot. <laughs> there was a lot of taverns and inns and drinking festivals and stuff in my deck. But what I had is that one new mechanic you have is you don't just spend workers, you also could assign them to buildings. And once you put them there, they're stuck. You have to increase your population to get more. But my cards seem to give me lots of different ways to release the workers from those spaces so that I could use them again. It seemed to be the way that it worked and it, like I say, it won me the game trying, you know, munchkining that strategy. But, oh, I loved this one. You know, this one, I hope this one gets the buzz. You know, Imperial Settlers Roll and Write was getting the buzz there. Hope this one gets the buzz as well because I think it deserves it. Does it replace Imperial Settlers? No, I mean they both do play differently, and you know there's different factions, and like I say, one is for the deck builders, one isn't, and there's a lot of content for Imperial Settlers now. So I mean, if you like that formula, then by all means, this won't replace it. I reckon I could own both and really enjoy it. But yeah, Empires of the North, this was a highlight. It just Maybe it was the company I was with, I don't know, maybe that rubbed off on me a bit, but I was just there engrossed the whole time, never bored. I didn't even have time to get bored because of how quick our turns were. It's like, right, I've planned out the next three things I'm going to do. I'm going to do that building, spend that, use that building, get that worker off it, and then use that building. Right, well, there's my next four turns mapped out. Maybe I'm thinking fast, I don't know, but... You should be able to do this game easily. It should, I'm not talking gateway game here by any means, but if you're used to games, you should be able to pick this up in no time. So this one, a criminal if this is not a surefire hit with people, Empires of the North. And that's it. That's all I'm going to talk about in terms of games. I mean, I've played other games as well, but uh, you know, I I'm losing my voice at this rate. I need to take a break sooner or later. Whether I've done this in two videos or not remains to be seen. Depends how long the video is. If it's longer than 45 minutes, I will probably split this into two parts because you have kind of spoken out there about videos not being too long, which is why I want to maybe revise the way I do detail reviews from that perspective. You know, So like I say, give me some feedback. I'm probably going to put up some YouTube polls in the future on this subject. So if you see those polls, then please answer them. It's good research data. It will come in very handy. But the expo itself... It's great. I've already booked my hotel for next one and, you know, I can't, well, my apartment for next one. I'm doing things a bit differently next year. Um, and so maybe just, just to round this video off, a few little tips that I would mention to those who are maybe thinking of coming to next year's expo who need to watch out for something. Firstly, the days you come. 
Friday is easily the best day that there is because Friday is not only the probably the quietest day but it's also like everybody's in it nobody's tired because they're like yes let's go first day of the expo you can get first into a lot of things everything is available nothing's sold out Friday's easily the best day so if you can only come for one day come for the Friday Sunday is the second best day things are starting to sell out but things are also being put on discount because the publishers don't want to take things back. It does make it a little bit chaotic around the retail stores, but you might be able to pick yourself up a good bargain on the last day. Just don't expect to pick up like the next hotness really cheap because chances are they've already been sold out. But it's also a bit quieter on a Sunday. However, people are a little bit like, you know, because they're tired. You know, it's exhausting running a convention. It's exhausting being on the booth. Trust me, I've done it. And it's exhausting just doing blogging and playing games. You know, you will be tired if you're there for the whole weekend. Saturday, however, is the busiest day ever. Be careful with that one. If you're thinking about going to dinner, visiting Birmingham, what would you want to do that? Oh, yeah, or taking in a live show, you know, go do the other activities, do a card game event, a board game tournament, whatever. Save that for Saturday if you can. Saturday around those trade halls is busy. Like, I mean, really busy. You're going to be stuck with people, people who have not learned the meaning of bathing. Trust me, there are some people who do not shower around these conventions. It's like, seriously, some personal hygiene, please. But the air conditioning's not perfect. I mean, it was, I don't know if it was broken, but it felt like it wasn't working at its full capacity. And, you know, it got quite hot. I mean, we're getting hotter years now. It's going to happen. So we need to be a little bit more... Uh, shall we say, proactive on the, on the cooling front here, guys. But certainly, if you're thinking of coming for the whole weekend, then fine. But I would say do more of the trade hall stuff on the Friday and the Sunday and reserve Saturday for maybe something else. That would be my sort of top tip on the days. And this is true of a lot of conventions. The Saturday is always the hardest day to do anything. Other tips, uh, certainly water. Bring plenty of water. The only way you are going to get water other than spending an exorbitant amount of money is to get it from a tap. And trust me, you do not want to walk into those uh, lavatories on a regular basis to get water. Trust me. The one outside in the convention lobby or something I think I visited a couple of times, I nearly felt sick walking into it just as soon as you took one breath and one smell and I nearly wanted to vomit. It was that bad, you know. So I, I barely could hold it in just to like like... Get water, get water. Oh, God, this is horrible. <gasps> you know, it really was bad. You know, I hated it. So, you know, always carry a bottle of water on you. And you know, I carry a squeezy bottle thing. But maybe just take a spare if you can. You know, make certain you can hydrate yourself because you're going to need it. You're going to be talking. It's going to be hot. You need hydration. Also, take some snacks. Healthy snacks. Food there is exorbitantly priced. You know, it is not cheap, particularly if you just want a sandwich. Best deal I can say is that you go to the Subway restaurant and you get yourself a Subway saver. That one with a meal deal is about six quid. Four quid for the sub. It's more expensive than you're used to, but for a convention, that's probably not bad and a Subway meal deal will at least fill you up for a lunch. You can always go to Resort World or Weatherspoons or something like that afterwards for a full-on dinner. Or the hotel, depends where you're staying. But snack-wise, yeah, you do not want to be spending uh, loads of money on snacks. I mean, you can get a cup of tea or something from a couple of things. That's fine. But... This convention is not known for its healthy food. I was trying to be on a diet there because, well, I'm already a fat anyway, but uh, <laughs> I'm a big fatty. I think I feature in Zombicide somewhere. But the idea is, is that I'd, I was really trying to stay reasonably healthy because I'd just come off that audit with all the expenses on food. And 
most of the stuff that you can buy is fried food and desserts and the occasional Subway sandwich. The Subway sandwich is the healthiest thing you will find there. Everything else is just calorific and fat-filled and sugar-filled. Seriously, the problem is, is that these people, people who bring in the healthy food just can't store it for long. You know, fresh, fresh vegetables and all that go out of date pretty quickly and you're there for a whole weekend. On top of that, not enough people order that food in order to make it cost-effective, which is a shame because I would buy it in a second if you didn't charge stupid amounts of money for it. So with my case, take snacks. Uh, protein bars are a bit calorific, but again, you're not going to be eating much while you're there, so you might want to consider a protein bar, a healthy protein bar, low sugar, definitely. Uh, fruit, nuts, apples, bananas, and nuts, uh, you know, dried fruit even. Um, I took some almonds, you know, that, that worked quite well. Uh, uh, you know, Alpen bars, you can take something like that, you know, little cheese bites, uh, pretty much anything that you can think of that comes in snack form that you can take in your bag. Definitely consider that because you're going to be needing nourishment and you really don't want to be spending out on the other food. Uh, what else? Uh, taking a live show if you can. I mean, these will be the only times you will get to try out these various shows and obviously you can't do them all. But, you know, if you want to see a particular you know channel live, you know, I watched the Dice Tower Live 10 and it was hilarious. Easily the funniest show there. Yes, definitely the funniest show there. And it, like I say, there's other events too. There's tournaments and that. You know, take in some of those. You, you won't get another chance to other than another expo. So why not use this opportunity? Just because you're there and you can see all these other games. I mean, yeah, it's good to demo other games, but do you really need to go there to buy games and do nothing else? If you want to buy games, go online and buy them. You know, why do you need to go to the expo for it? Granted, you kind of feel like a kid in the candy store and you want to buy as many games as you can, but, you know, just tone it down a bit, get some willpower, and maybe just try something a bit more unique. Uh, another tip, uh, be wary of the open gaming. There's a lot of open gaming space, so that's a good thing, but uh, without a good way of putting it, I'm sorry, but the board game library sucks. It's, it's not particularly good. I mean, there is stuff there that feels like it's the dregs that even you wouldn't put in an 80s board game library. There's some pretty bad stuff. Now, not to say that every game there is bad. You know, you can get lucky. There are a few good key titles, but it's really not a great library. And I felt it was worse this year than last year. So if you're thinking about playing games in the open gaming, you might want to bring some yourself. However, I would recommend only bringing games that you want to play at a convention, like big group things. You know, group party games are brilliant for a convention. Or lots of small box portable games. You know, your Sushi Goes, your, your, your Jaipers, your... Splendor, I suppose, if you've pre-packaged it early. Your One Night Werewolves, your Seven Wonders Duel, your Valley of the Kings, uh, your Hanabis, your Naribis, <laughs> your Forbidden Deserts. You know, small games that you can easily carry from your hotel room to, you know, or car boot to the venue and play those games. Don't try to take, like, ten of these games with you because you're just not going to be able to carry them. Uh, let's see, what else is there? trying to think i think most tips uh suitable footwear you're going to be doing your steps i mean my watch is defaulted to four thousand steps a day and it flags up whenever i've done it i should really put that target up a bit higher but to be fair four thousand is a tall order when i work as an accountant but you will easily do your four thousand steps when you're at these conventions more and more besides you've got to walk from a to b on a regular basis you're going to be doing your walking it's good exercise which is not a bad thing but uh like I said, keep hydrating and wear sensible footwear because you're going to be doing a walking. You do not want your feet to ache during a convention. It really isn't a good idea. Uh, bags, be careful. The Brin and Buy, again, it's 
getting a bit unwieldy, but the Brilliant Buy does not let you carry bags into the thing at all. So you need someone to hold your bags for you outside while you go in it. And that's assuming you get through the long queue. Yeah, trust me, I literally take a bag of games to sell, drop it in, forget about it, and then go back at the very end to cash out. That's literally all I do. You know, I don't even look around it for bargains anymore because it's just too much to queue in that. It's too big, it's too unwieldy, and there's nothing they can really do about it. I don't see how you could possibly make it a streamlined experience. It's just an impossible task. But with the bag front, bring a bag, preferably like a, you know, get one of those Cajun drum bags or a game hall bag, you know, something like that that can hold games in easily. Something you can wear on your back and still be comfortable and walk around in, but not something stupidly huge that it literally every time you turn around you give someone concussion. And enough with the strollers people. I mean, you get you see like the, the wife with the baby and then you see the bloke with the giant stroller that's way too big for what the baby requires. And it's full of games and stuff like that. And it just takes up the room. And on a Saturday, you just will not be able to move. So try and travel light. Be intelligent with your purchases. Don't just buy everything that you can. Or better still, have a means to go back to your hotel room or your car boot and dump stuff in there. Don't just try and carry it around with you all day. Have a means or take a break from the convention to dump them off at stages. You know, a close hotel helps with that. But if you've driven there, then use a car boot. If you're unlucky enough to have trained there, then there are shop shop and drop facilities. I suggest you give them a look. But yeah, you are going to have to make certain that you've got somebody good to uh, carry your games for. And I found that out a couple of times because I was, uh, shall we say, living outside of the area on a train. Four minutes away, but still required a train. And this will be my final tip. Accommodation. Book early. Book now. Places are already selling out for next year's expo. You need to get the hotel accommodation now. And... Don't just feel that you have to be right next to the expo. Trust me on this. I, in the last few years, you know, I've noticed the prices skyrocket with this thing. It's ridiculous how much we're getting ripped off by these people. I mean, the Hilton wanted a thousand pounds to stay there for three nights. And the Hilton? Seriously? You ain't that good on luxury. Trust me, your service is half the time terrible. You know, just because you put me above the open gaming area does not mean I'm going to pay you a grand for it. You bunch of tight-fisted... So what I've been doing is I've been staying in other local hotels that are within walking distance, but even they are starting to get quite expensive. I mean, some of the Ibis ones nearby can still rack up a good 350 plus pounds for a non-refundable, you know, double bed room. And it's just like, that's like three nights. I mean, that's a hundred and something pound a night. I'm not paying a hundred and something pound a night to stay in some crummy English hotel. I'm sorry. If I want a luxurious English hotel, I have to go to London or something. But I've stayed in a lot more Frankie hotels in European countries. I do not need whatever rubbish we come up with. So the best thing I can suggest, and this is a definite tip. If, you, if you're not worried about carrying stuff, then stay somewhere nearby that you can get the train in. The train goes directly to the NEC, depending on if you stay, if you stay somewhere in Solihull, I think it's pronounced. If you stay somewhere nearby, it'll take you less than 10 minutes, sometimes less than five minutes on the train. And you can get a really cheap deal. I stayed in a B&B with a nice friendly old couple landlord and it cost me 165 quid for three nights. They cooked me a breakfast in the morning. I just had to walk around the corner, get on the train, four minutes, I'm at the NEC. Nice and quick. Now it wasn't 100% uh, um, shall we say, streamlined, because obviously taking the train there and not having the means to dump stuff off meant I did have to carry stuff with me, which proved to be problematic at times. So yeah, this year I booked an apartment, a free person apartment, so I can even 
put in a couple of my friends if I want. And it's self-catering. So, you know, there'll be some complimentary food items, but mainly I'll cook my own breakfast. Because frankly, when you think about it, three nights breakfast could set you back a good 40 to 50 quid. Is that buffet breakfast really worth that 40, 50 quid? Really? No, I don't think it is. You know, I could pay less than a tenner and I could feed myself on snacks for the week. I could feed myself a breakfast for the week, you know, and all I have to do is just get up a little bit earlier, you know, well, not even earlier because the time it takes you to go downstairs and eat breakfast, you could cook your own breakfast. I'll cook myself eggs, toast, bacon, and beans or whatever. I can cook my, my own fried breakfast every morning. You know, or even have a healthier breakfast each morning. Why do I have to have a fried breakfast? You know, the cereal, porridge, I'll just cook it myself. I think I've paid, uh, what have I paid? Um, I had a hotel's reward night, so it was uh, about 50 quid cheaper. But without the rewards night, I paid like, 190 pound, 195 for this apartment for three nights. Yes, I don't get breakfast, but I get free parking. Uh, it's very modern. It's kitted out with a full kitchen and that. It's got a comfy double bed. Um, and it's within six minutes driving distance of the venue. And parking at the NEC is £7 a day if you pre-book the parking on the NEC special rate for the expo. So £21 to park for three nights. I have to do a bit extra because I do the press event, but that's just me. But yeah, £21 for three nights. So £115, £16. Sorry, £216 for three nights outside of there. Now granted, it's still not the cheapest thing around, but it's less than £100 a night. It's definitely cheaper than something like the Ibis at £350 for three nights. You know, I'm saving myself a good 125 quid, And all I have to do is just feed myself breakfast. I'll take it. And I'll have a car boot there, which means that I'm carrying stuff. I'm like, well, I don't need this stuff now. Or I could take a bit of open gaming stuff with me. All right, fine. Leave it in the car boot. Great. So I look forward to next year. I look forward to Essen. I look forward to every convention that I'm thinking of doing. I've got... Uh, Tabletop Scotland I'm going to do this year. I booked on the flight for that, so I look forward to seeing you guys there. Uh, certainly give me a shout if you're going. Uh, Gridcon, Paul Grogan's new one that he started. He's got a uh, ting or whatever it is. Uh, this is not Gridcon or something in uh, July. I might be going to that. I don't know. It does clash a bit with my father's birthday, so I need to time that right. But I hope to go to the one in November, which will be the official Gridcon back in the West Country, so more in my neck of the woods. I could probably get a decent cider for a change. But yeah, I'm going to be going to a few other conventions. And obviously, StabCon South will be one. HandyCon in August I'll be going to. So, an Essen, definitely Essen. So, you know, there's some good stuff on the horizon. And my pipe dream is that I would love to go to Dice Tower Con. Believe me. You know, I, I don't get a chance to meet, like, you American viewers very often. You know, unless you're at Essen. And I'd love to go to Dice Tower Con. Just have five days of playing games. You know, no trading. None of that stuff. Just... Five days of playing games with people who just want to play games. It, I really do want to go next year, I must admit. I can't go this year, but next year, if I save up the money, flights are expensive. They are expensive, but I'm tempted. A week, a long flight, to, a long time to sit on a plane for, you know, flying to America and dealing with jet lag and that, but I'm tempted. I'm tempted. Ah, can you guys convince me to come to Dice Tower Con next year? Let's see. It'd be good. You know, get in touch with the Dice Tower. Get in touch with Tom Vassell. You know, tell him, you know, like, Luke wants to come to Dice Tower Con. Help him, you know, that kind of thing. But I would like to visit an American convention at some point. But Gen Con's probably a bit much, and I don't want to pay loads to fly over just to buy more stuff. But Origins, maybe. Packs Unplugged, maybe. But now, nah, personally, the first one, I would like to do Dice Tower Con. So 
Fingers crossed that could be a mission for next year. Certainly Patreon's not going to pay for it, but, uh, you know, it will be nice to go there. So that's it. Voices on the blink. I'm going to go unwrap some more games. You know, I mean, this is still in its shrink wrap. I've got lots of stuff to unwrap. I'll try and edit this video and I'll do it as a podcasting as well. So this will be a bonus thing. And, well, you already know that anyway because you've just watched or listened to it. So why am I even talking? That's it for me. I'll see you on the next Broken Meeple show. Check out the polls that I put on YouTube so I can get some feedback on where to take this show going forward. I have various equipment that I've got to work through with my stuff. So I am working on trying to get the solo play thing right and do better convention footage for next year. I mean, this was kind of an experiment. So sorry if those two videos I put earlier weren't the best quality. But, like I say... Good stuff on the horizon. I look forward to getting back into some reviews. I will be reviewing a lot of these uh, little games that I've acquired at uh, you know at, um, at the expo, and there's more besides. So that's it for me. Take care. Hope you enjoyed the expo. If you went, if you haven't been yet, then I hope you come next year and enjoy it immensely because it is a great convention despite its little uh, foibles here and there. You know. And I hope to see you at one of those conventions to say hi, fist bump, handshake, hug, whatever. Whatever you like. Even a photo. Although, trust me, I can't pose for a photo to save my life. I look bad enough on video camera. How do you think I look in a still photograph? Trust me, I look hideous. But, like I say, that's for another time. Take care, and I'll see you on the next Broken Meeple episode. Remember, whatever convention I see you at, it's still only a game. Take care.